It's Wednesday, April 20th. From inside the WTOP newsroom, this is the DMV Download, presented by Steamfitters Local 602. Learn how Steamfitters can benefit your business at steamfitters-602.org. Here are the stories we're working on today. When glass began shattering around the largest private home in D.C., Secret Service agents responded. Now a man is dead. WTOP's Luke Lukert spoke with D.C.'s police chief about what happened at the Peruvian ambassador's residence. We don't know why this person had a metal stake. We don't know why this person uh, approached the officers with that metal stake. And after one season of a new style of play under an enriched coach, D.C. United fired head coach Hernan Lasada. We get into what led to the firing from WTOP's Dave Johnson, who broke the story. There is a, an old adage, when you lose the locker room, it's time. Thanks for joining us. I'm Megan Cloherty. And I'm Luke Garrett. Two Secret Service agents are recovering. A man is dead. And D.C.'s police chief says he can't recall the last time this type of incident happened. This morning, a frantic 911 call came in from the Peruvian ambassador's residence reporting a burglary. When police and Secret Service agents got there, they found a man holding a metal stake. WTOP's Luke Lukert is here. He went to cover the story. He joins us now in the studio. Luke, what happened here? I mean, what are police saying this guy did to get in the house? So... Apparently around 8 a.m., police got the call. Family members were inside the house, and a guy was going around the house bashing in windows with a metal stake. Now, we're not exactly sure what that means by metal stake. Is it a little tent stake? Is it a bigger you yeah. know, piece of rebar? But he was bashing in. Uh, D.C. Police Chief Robert Conti said he was bashing in windows, doors, all around the uh, all around the house, and if you've seen the house, it's pretty pretty big house. We don't know if he actually got in. This is a very it's a very large property, and there were windows smashed, uh, entry door windows uh, that were smashed all around the property. So it's kind of hard to tell if he made entry at this point. But the situation with the officers was outside. The situation with the officers was in the rear yard of this uh, location. Um, then Secret Service police arrived, and they first tried to tase him, and uh, the police said that it didn't have any real effect on the guy. And then he started coming towards the Secret Service police officers. And that's when they drew their guns and shot and killed him. And it's unlikely that we'll know anytime soon what the motivation was. But did D.C. police say there was anything more behind this than just a burglary? Uh, no, they I mean, that was one of the things that D.C. Police Chief Conti mentioned numerous times during his press briefing. They had no idea what he was doing there, why he was there. We don't know why this person smashed out several windows. We don't know why this person had a metal stake. We don't know why this person uh, approached the officers with that metal stake, uh, but we're investigating that now. They said that none of the family knew him, nobody really. The police, he was not known to police is what he exactly said. So this, this seems at first glance to maybe be just a random occurrence, a random attack. And Luke, can you tell us more about where this happened? I was reading a Diplomatic Connections article written back in 2017, and it says that the property is 25 acres and holds like a treasure trove of ancient artifacts from Peru. It is a very large compound, from what I've been told, one of the biggest pieces of private property in the district, and it backs up right to Rock Creek Park. Mm kind of give you an estimate. It's not too far from the uh, D.C. Maryland border. So it's not a, a property you can like randomly wander onto. I mean, that's the next point, right? I mean, well, I, it does have fencing all around the property, but it is backed up to Rock Creek Parkway. So if somebody's walking around Rock Creek Parkway, run mm-hmm. into a, a fence and they, they don't exactly know where he got in. 
And because it is such a large property, they have to surveil a lot of areas. Yeah. And Secret Service responded to this because mm-hmm. they have jurisdiction over embassies mm-hmm. and you know, the ambassador's residence. But Chief Conti gave the press briefing. So can you tell us about you know who responded and why Conti was talking? Yeah, so uh, D.C. police are investigating. While Secret Service did actually respond and uh, respond to the, the break-in, since it was an officer-involved shooting, since police shot and killed a guy, D.C. police are now taking over and uh, they're uh, investigating this uh, shooting. Interesting. So it was, it was police who fired the shot, not Secret Service, even though Secret Service has Uniformed Secret Service police. So the Secret Service has a uniformed division if you go around – Anywhere you might see Secret Service police uh, mm-hmm. on the side of cars or guys in tactical vests. It says Secret Service police. Uh, they were dressed in uniform saying Secret Service police. They were not, you know, what you think of in the suit and tie, mm. just uh, hanging around. Like presidential detail. They were not presidential detail. Right. Right. They looked like police officers, but they are technically part of the Secret Service. Do we know what's happening next with the investigation? Who's taking it over? Uh, D.C. police uh, will be investigating it from here on out. I imagine that if uh, there's any political motivations or anything behind it, FBI would be involved in that. But yeah. uh, at this point, no word, no uh, federal investigators are on the case. Yeah. So, But everybody's fine in the Peruvian embassy. Everybody is fine in, in, in the ambassador's house. Family was there. Nobody inside, in the house, was, right, uh, nobody inside was injured. All right, Luke Luker, thanks for joining us and telling us what's up. Anytime, guys. And after the break, we talked to WTOP's Dave Johnson about how locker room dynamics dictated the fate of DC United's head coach. If you want to save money and grow profits on your next commercial heating, cooling, HVAC, or refrigeration project, go with the men and women of Steamfitters Local 602. You can trust the experience of its workforce, members who have expertise in heating, air conditioning, refrigeration, and process piping to deliver work that's on time and on budget. For a partner you can trust who's mutually focused on your bottom line and to schedule, contact Steamfitters Local 602 at steamfitters-602.org. That's steamfitters-602.org. Steamfitters Local 602. Changing lives. D.C. United's head coach, Hernan Lozada, was fired today after a four-game losing streak at the start of the season. Lozada led the D.C. soccer team last season and almost made the playoffs, but fell short. We now turn to the voice of D.C. United and WTOP senior sports director, Dave Johnson. Dave, you broke this story this morning. Tell us what happened here. The hopes were so high for this guy. Well, you, you know, it's a, it's a story that is somewhat painful because here's a guy, he wanted to come to this country. He left his team in Belgium, midseason last year, because he saw this opportunity with DC United, and and I believe in what I'm doing and my style of play, and it brought him success. And you have this energy. If I, I said it over and over again, whatever he's selling, I'm buying because yeah, you loved his joy of life. I think there's a French phrase for that that I'm not that smart to say, but what is it? <laughs> joy, joy de vivre. There you thank you. I, I turned to Megan on that, but no, seriously, <laughs> nice. you, you could sense that uh, from him. In Belgium, he took a team from the second division to the first division. Uh, you so know, there was like so much buildup. I mean, it was so like much buildup. Couldn't have and, been a better start. And you you want to follow that leader wherever he's going. And last season, wow, goals were flying and the crowd was jumping. I remember around July Fourth weekend, a seven-one win over Toronto. Uh, I mean, we wanted to throw a parade, except you know, in, in DC, you'll get fined and a parking meter ticket or something. <laughs> so it was it was great, and they almost made the playoffs. So now you get a full off season, 
and you're thinking, all right, let's see. Let's see. You have time to prepare. You have players you brought in you want, and you think it's going to go better. And instead, it's a four-game losing streak, and, and suddenly there's still a lot of time left in the season, but there's also not a lot of time. Well, it sounds like some faith was lost just in a span of four games. So was something on the field not working? Or... It, it was just a gut feeling. You're like, eh, you know. The vibe it, was off The vibe was off, yeah. And, huh. and how do you— <laughs> How do you put that? How do you quantify that? The, the vibe is off. Something's off. Mm. I was going to say four games doesn't sound like it's it's a career killer to me. So there had to be something more. I mean, was he making questionable choices? If you're inside this and you kind of have the, the your finger on the pulse, if you will, um, what were you seeing that really wasn't adding up? Well, I mean, there is a, an old adage when you lose the locker room, it's time. And it's not that players, same in office. It's, it's not that you don't want to have your job. It's not that you don't want to do well to your job, but you just no longer hear the message the same way. And I'll, I'll turn it to the Capitals. I remember George McPhee told me a great story. It's not a great story. It's about a firing of a coach, Glenn Hanlon. And Glenn Hanlon, the coach at the time, came to him and said, George, I, I think I've lost the locker room. And George, he said, let's give him some time. We have a, we have a homestand. The Wednesday before Thanksgiving of 2007, they lose at home. Badly. Thanksgiving morning, Oof. Glenn Hanlon's on his way into the rank because life goes on in sports despite holidays, and George is already there. And nothing had to be said because George realized, yeah, he had lost mm-hmm. the locker room. Do you and think that's the same case for the, I think, for the coach I here? think that my guess is that's probably the situation. They determined that, yes, you can recover from a four-game losing streak, but if, if I'm the general manager, I'm making the, the, the decision – and the guy that's leading my team, I'm getting a sense, whether it's from him himself, like I just told that story. And by the way, Bruce Pedro was the coach that replaced Glenn Hanlon and went on to have, and of course, that was the start of Rock the Red. Mm-hmm. That team went from last place to the yeah. playoffs. And, right. and next thing you know, 10 years later, we're you know, in fountains drinking, or players were, not me. <laughs> so that's, that's, that's what I think is the case. And it's, again, to, to bring it full circle to any managers who are listening or whatever, it's why the temperature of your office or your, your workplace is just as important as a locker room. There are such strong, passionate fans for D.C. United. I mean, and, and it's so fun to go to those games. Have you heard from fans at all of a reaction to this? Are they happy to see this happen? Are they surprised? I think uh, there's a lot of fans that when there's losing, they, they're ready to, to fire people. And so, uh, oddly enough, yesterday was my birthday. So I did get some Happy birthday message is now fire the coach. So it's kind of a mixed thing. <laughs> Thanks. Happy birthday. See what you can do about yeah, this. I think, yeah. I'm like, well, okay. I look, can I just blow out a candle and I'll let somebody else handle that? So, look, I, I think also it was a bad loss last week against Austin, 3-2. to two. Uh, So I think there uh, are some fans that frustrated and and wanted to see him go because they, they're like, all right, well, what's going on here? Mm-hmm. But having said that, I, I started this by saying that he came in and energized the fan base with that style of play. So who's in charge of the locker room now? A guy named Chad Ashton, who um, is interim head coach, and he's done this before when they fired a coach. It was different circumstances. The coach they fired before in 2020 was a club legend, Ben Olsen, who'd been there 10 years. And, and again, sometimes you, you make that change because the message is no longer getting out. Do we know what's happening next? I mean, as far as finding another coach, what's that process like? Can they do it midseason? Yeah, they can. And, but I mean, it, this is so new. I, I don't, you know, I don't know where their head is. I don't get the sense that they made this because, all right, we have somebody else in mind. So right. I, I get the sense 
that they'll probably they said to Chad, you know, Nart, it's yours with the rest of the staff. Let's make something out of the season, and we'll see where we go. Well, we'll see how this plays out come Saturday when DC United is back home. You know what? Uh, it is true. It is true. Uh, the beer is a little bit colder. The, <laughs> the hot dogs are a little bit juicier when you're winning, and it's a true fact. And so we can only hope that it gets back to that. And and because DC United, if people haven't been, it's been in the in Forbes magazine says it's the coolest neighborhood in the world. And it, the vibe down there, there's vibe in a positive way. The vibe down there is happening. And so when teams are winning, it, it even adds to that. Dave, so, thank you very much. Always a pleasure. And Megan, before we go, we have to acknowledge that it is 420. It is 420, a quasi-holiday that some people recognize and some people are not even really aware of. <laughs> That's the whole true. Day. Well, it will be recognized again this Saturday at RFK Grounds. They're actually holding the National Cannabis Festival. And the whole point of this festival is to normalize weed, basically. I was going to say to get high, or is it to... <laughs> well, maybe that too. So the festival, it's going to have like music and food and all the other... I mean, it's not just about weed, right? Right. There will be plenty of DC vendors there with beer, with food, with music. <laughs> so there will be weed there, but also other things. Um, and I mean, when you say normalize, it's interesting because we all know that DC is a really progressive jurisdiction, but nationally, marijuana is becoming very mainstream. Yeah, the numbers support you there. A Gallup poll from 2021 actually says that 68% of the U.S. population supports the legalization of weed. So the legislation is not really there yet, but the population seems to be there. And today, D.C. Delegate Eleanor Holmes Norton spoke on MSNBC with Chuck Todd about that exact thing. Yeah, she says that how the U.S. treats marijuana right now is pretty much how we treated alcohol back in the 1920s. This is the prohibition of our time. Uh, Alcohol was ignored and bootlegged. That's exactly what is happening to marijuana. And that's our show. Thanks for joining us for the DMV Download, sponsored by Steamfitters Local 602. This show is produced by me, Megan Cloherty. And me, Luke Garrett. Our managing editor is Craig Schwab. And our music is by Real World. Give us a review and rate our show if you get the chance. You can find out more about the show and become one of our VIP listeners at dmvdownload.com. The DMV Download is a product of WTOP News. Listen on 103.5 FM in the D.C. area, 107.7 FM in Virginia, 103.9 FM in Frederick, Maryland, online at WTOP.com, and on the WTOP News app. Have a great night.